Well, you you will know last week we started our new sermon series for the month, uh, Base Camp. And specifically last week we talked about who's in your camp. You remember I put a picture up uh, on the screen and we looked at essentially Numbers chapter 2 and how God organized the camp and the structure that happened as well as who was engaged and involved in being a part of of the camp friends it's no different for us today god is still using us still bringing us together with different talents different skills different personalities praise god (laughs) so that we may place him because you remember the tabernacle sat in the middle so that we may place him in the center of all that we do. It's important in how you set up your camp. It's important for your spiritual accountability, a place where you can go to regroup and regain strength. Last week we learned about the importance of surrounding yourselves on all sides with people who are going to go into spiritual battle and fight alongside you and protect you. Friends, we are not just a body of believers. Whether you like it or not, we are family. And we're a family that works together, that fights together, that moves together under the orders of our commander. And that ain't me. May we continue to strive to love God and love each other more. So my question then comes, as you can see on the screen, what do we do? Oh, there it disappeared. (laughs) What do we do when sin starts to infiltrate the camp? What do we do when those we have entrusted to join us on the journey have started to become distracted and disengaged from the plan? You know the plan, right? Does everyone know the plan in here? No? Let me tell you. Let me tell you the plan real quick. That you and I may know Christ more That's plan number one. You and I may know Christ more. Number two in this, I said it a minute ago, is that you and I may love each other more. Scripture says you will know that they are Christians by their love. And we always stop there, but that's not what the Scripture says. Scripture says you will know that they are Christians by their love for one another. How we treat one another within the church shows the rest of the world who we really are. How are you treating your brother and sister? 
Loving Christ more, knowing him more, loving each other more, knowing each other more. And thirdly, you know the plan? It's literally our middle name, salvation. We are an army set up to save. Now, are you and me doing the saving? No, we don't have that kind of authority or power. But you and me are the ones who, as I said, Last week, bring the indwelling God. Wherever we go, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. You and me make it where people see our lives and see us talking with them and engaging with them and say, I think I want some of what you've got. That's the plan. The world for God. That's the plan. So what do we do then? What do we do with those that are entrusted to join us on the journey have started to become distracted and disengaged from the plan? What do we do when we become, what do we do when we become distracted and disengaged from the plan? It can happen so quickly, even the best of us how do we begin to refocus? Is it possible to regain our position again? Joshua 7. If you want to open to the book of Joshua, it's towards the beginning. It's the sixth book in the Bible. Joshua chapter 7, starting with the 10th verse. And Joshua 7 verse 10 says this. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? You ever have those moments with God? Is it just me where God's like, hey, stand up. Okay. What are you doing down on your face? Now here in a minute, we're going to back up and you're going to see what's going on as to why he's down on his face. Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless. You destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go. Consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There are, there are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. Where are we at here? Why is Joshua down on his face? And why is God threatening to remove his presence from the chosen people? Now, let's not forget, this is still pretty early on in Joshua being the leader. Moses has recently died. Joshua has now taken over for Moses. Jericho, you know, the battle of Jericho. You've heard that song. Where they march around seven times and the walls came tumbling down. 
Jericho had just fallen. Jericho had fallen to the Israelites and the people of Israel were on a mountaintop because of that. You see, they had wandered around in the desert for 40 years. And the first battle they came to, they listened to God's commands and won. And not like by a little, like one in a landslide. But, however, God gave the Israelites explicit instructions after they defeated Jericho. He told them to not take any of the city's riches, but to leave everything behind and continue to the next point. Why? Like when you win wars, part of the point of winning wars is to take the riches from the place you've won so that you can enrich yourself. And God tells the people of Israel not to do this. Now, I think there's a good reason why. God wanted the Israelites to rely on him and him alone. No, you don't need that. Move on. Sometimes we see something shiny. Sometimes, maybe it's just me. <laughs> we see something shiny. It's like, ooh, I kind of fancy that. And God says, no, you don't need that. And I'm like, but is it really about me, though? And God still says, no, you don't need that. You need me. Okay. You see, their focus would remain on God's ability to provide for them. They would need treasures. So Joshua sent spies into the next city. Now it's spelled A-I, and I Googled how you pronounce it, and you pronounce it I-E. Yeah, but that sounds weird, so I'm not gonna say it that way. <laughs> so they sent spies into the city of I-E, uh, and they came back and said the city was weak and an easy victory. Again, they're on this mountaintop. Oh, nothing can touch us. Do you see what we did to them? Oh. Okay, let's move on to the next city. And they go in, the spies go in and said, oh, Joshua, you're not gonna believe this. They're so weak, we got this. And Joshua sent in a few thousand men to fight. Do you want to guess what happened next? It didn't go well. They lost. And in fact, uh, over 30 men died. And so Joshua asked God, why? I thought we were your people. I thought you were with us. How did this happen? 
And God responds in verse 11 of chapter 7. Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen. They have lied. They have put them in their own possessions. God responds with, there is sin in the camp. Consecrate yourself. Moving on in verse 14 of chapter 7. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire. <laughs> this is like... What is being told to Joshua, who is now relaying it to the people of Israel. Along with all the belongings to him. So not only will the man who has it die by fire, all of his belongings will be destroyed. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes. And Judah was chosen. The clan of Judah came forward. And the Zerahites were chosen. He had the clan of Zerahites uh, come forward by family. And Zimri was chosen. Joshua had this family come forward man by man. And Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, was chosen. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son. Give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe uh, from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar gold Weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Achan ignored God's command. He coveted something and said, well, maybe that rule didn't apply to me. Why did God command it in the first place? I mean, again, it was the spoils of war. Where is your trust this morning? Where do you lie your trust in? We must recognize sin and do something about it, no matter how uncomfortable it is. Accountability is such a vital part of the Christian life and of true Christian self-sacrificing love. Here it is, him being held accountable. It's so important to our life that we are held accountable by one another. And then in Joshua 7, 25, it says this. Joshua said, why have you, why have you brought this trouble on us? 
The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. I, I read that. And I think, where, where, where's the God of grace and mercy here that, that, what's going on? This seems hard and harsh. But there's a reason. Just as there is a reason why God commanded animal sacrifice. It's to remind the Israelite people, you flirt with sin, you are flirting with death. Sin is our spiritual death. And if we do not allow the Holy Spirit and the Son of God to cleanse us, then we poison ourselves. Now, I will say this so that everyone can put their minds at ease. That is not how we handle it now. <laughs> this is not the way we handle things in our camp, but if we do allow sin to be okay, if we allow sin to just be okay, yeah, it's, it's not good, you shouldn't do that, but oh, okay, if we allow that to happen, it will lead to the spiritual downfall of our camp. Why did the Israelites lose a battle they should have easily won, especially with God at their side? Because they were outside of God's commands. They were outside of God's will. No, I told you to leave it. Trust in me. And look, I, not to belabor this point, but read the Old Testament. This is a theme that happens over and over and over and over and over again. Why did we have King Saul? Why did we have King David? Why did we have Solomon? Why did the kingdoms then split into two different kingdoms? And then why were they then taken into exile by foreign powers? Because they wanted to continually place their faith in temporal things that were right here in front of them rather than the eternal God. And you know what? We're no different. We place our faith in the things we can see right in front of us rather fully in the eternal God who says, just trust me. Trust me. Yeah, but I can't see the end of it though. Like, I can kind of see where you're going, but I don't see the end of it. So that's hard for me. Yeah, no, you don't have to see the end. Just trust me. And we, being rational, say, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and God says, trust me anyway. Knowing that sin is there and not doing anything about it creates a barrier between us and the will of God. Even if we ignore it, it cannot be unseen by God. 
Sin is uncomfortable for everyone. Because we love each other and do not want to hurt each other. But what hurts more is knowing that your friend may be on the path to hell and you do not love them enough to do something about it. Now, I'm not saying that you should go up to everyone, tell them they need to turn or burn. Please don't do that. <laughs> that is not out of love. But what I am telling you is to build, the, to build a body of believers around yourself that are willing to fight with you and fight for you and hold you accountable when you start to pull away from the ranks. Friends, if you have someone who is a friend of yours, who is a believer in Jesus Christ, and they see you consistently making poor decisions and do not talk to you about it, I would suggest to you, maybe they're not as good a friend as you think they are. Now, again, I'm not saying that you should go up to everyone, tell them that they need to turn or burn. Again, this is not out of love. Do you know what it means to take the truth and make it an untruth or half truth? So when we start to fall away from our relationship with God, we will often do anything and everything that we can to justify our behavior. We all done it at one point or another. It's when we take the truth of God the things that we know are non-negotiable, the faith-building, steadfast, steadfast knowledge that he has provided and wrap it around the parts that our current life choices are comfortable with, thereby making it an untruth. For instance, there was a great example of this that I read. It said, God is too loving to send anyone to hell. That's why he gave us Jesus. It isn't untrue that God is loving and that he gave us Jesus, but it also isn't but it also isn't God that sends us to hell. That is our own doing. When we get out of the word of God, we begin to pull ourselves out of fellowship with him. When we get out of fellowship with God, we start to fall out of fellowship with the people that God has placed in our camp. And when that happens, we begin to remove ourselves from the places and the times where the word of God is spoken and taught and the presence of God is felt. Someone once said, the word will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the word. You need God's word the most when you are struggling with sin. David said, when his sin overwhelmed him, he sought the word of God. It has the power to restrain. Psalm 1995 says, the wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I... I will ponder your statutes. Satan's number one desire is to destroy the people of God. He will do whatever it takes to get you to die spiritually. He will set strongholds to destroy your testimony, your family, your joy, and even your life if possible. Satan wants to make us irrelevant in the great salvation war. But you and I are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus.
If beginning in the word of God is not a major part of our camp routine, then we really need to recheck our priorities. We all have things that we like to do. We all have desires and passions uh, for different things. We put a lot of time and effort into the things that we love. We work hard. We dedicate moments for learning more and doing more. If we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, and we do, it's our first doctrine. And we believe that by reading and studying the word of God, along with prayer, that we can enter a deeper relationship with God and have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then it must be a priority in our life. If we do not place priority on knowing God more through his word, he will halt our efforts. He will not allow us to grow. He will not continue to bless us. We will not see victory in our circumstances. God will provide. He will protect. He will lead us. But we have to stay focused on God for us and not against us. Sometimes that means that there may be individuals inside our camp that God planted there for a reason, but now it's time for pruning and new growth. It's time to refocus the effort. This morning, is there sin in the camp? Have you allowed in your own life justification for things that are outside of the will of God? We look at, again, the Old Testament. We see this example where they took plunders from war. Oh, well, that's just, that's just what they did then. It's okay. That's normal. No, we are set apart. We are different. Or we look at when the, the people of Israel complained and cried out to God, we want to be like everybody else. Give us a king. Friends, stop looking around to the world to justify your behavior. We are set apart. We are different. Why would anyone want to be a part of us if we are just like the rest of the world? Is there sin in your life? Don't leave without allowing the Holy Spirit to deal with it this morning. Is there someone in this room maybe that you have sinned against. Don't leave without going to them and love and asking for forgiveness. You see, part of, part of being a part of the camp, the base camp, is uncomfortable moments. But in those uncomfortable moments, if we speak truth and love to one another and we receive that truth in love, God does miraculous things. Watch and see. But we don't like to be uncomfortable. We don't. But here's what I know. Relationships can be very uncomfortable. 
God's relationship with me continuously calls me out of my comfort zone to do things that I wouldn't normally choose to do. And yet in those moments, seeing how amazing God's providential care is. So this morning, do you have sin that you have not dealt with, that you've allowed to fester in your own life? Do you have someone that you have sinned against that you need forgiveness for? Do you have someone in your life, maybe in this room, maybe not, who you know is going down a wrong path? Friends, seek out the Holy Spirit for guidance and how to work through that with the person. Because here's the thing, don't do it by yourself. You will screw it up. You need the Holy Spirit to give the words, to work through, so that they may see and hear your heart. As the music plays this morning, won't you come? We cannot be as effective as we want to be. We cannot be as effective as God has called us to be if we tolerate the poison of sin.